stop it, came Eustace's voice, squeaky with fright and bad temper. It's some silly trick you two are playing. Stop it. Ow! The other two were much more accustomed to adventures, but just exactly as Eustace Clarence said, Ow! They both said, Ow! Too. The reason was that a great, cold, salt splash had broken right out of the frame, and they were breathless from the smack of it. Besides being wet through. I'll smash the rotten thing, cried Eustace. And then several things happened at the same time. Eustace rushed towards the picture. Edmund, who knew something about magic, sprang after him, warning him to look out and not be a fool. Lucy grabbed at him from the other side and was dragged forward. Eustace jumped to try to pull the picture off the wall and found himself standing on the frame. In front of him was not glass, but real sea, and the wind and waves rushing up to the frame as they might to a rock. He lost his head and clutched at the other two who had jumped up beside him. There was a second of struggling and shouting, and just as they thought they'd got their balance, a great blue roller surged up around them, swept them off their feet, and drew them down into the sea. Eustace's despairing cry suddenly ended as the water got into his mouth. When they came up again, she saw a white figure diving off the ship's side. Edmund was close beside her now, treading water, and had caught the arms of the howling Eustace. Then someone else, whose face was vaguely familiar, slipped an arm under her from the other side. Edmund and the stranger were fastening ropes round her. They were waiting for the moment when she could be got on board the ship without being dashed against its side. After her, Edmund was heaved up, and then the miserable Eustace. Last of all came the stranger, a golden-haired boy some years older than herself. Caspian, gasped Lucy, as soon as she had breath enough. For Caspian it was. Caspian, the boy king of Narnia, whom they had helped to set on the throne during their last visit. Immediately, Edmund recognized him too. All three shook hands and clapped one another on the back with great delight. But who is your friend? said Caspian almost at once, turning to Eustace with his cheerful smile. But Eustace was crying much harder than any boy of his age has a right to cry when nothing worse than a wetting has happened to him, and would only yell out, Let me go! Let me go back! I don't like it! Let you go? said Caspian. But where? Eustace rushed to the ship's side, as if he expected to see the picture frame hanging above the sea, and perhaps a glimpse of Lucy's bedroom. What he saw was blue waves flecked with foam, a paler blue sky, both spreading without a break to the horizon. "'Hey, Rinulf,' said Caspian to one of the sailors, "'bring spiced wine for their majesties. You'll need something to warm you after that dip.' He called Edmund and Lucy their majesties, because they, and Peter and Susan, had all been kings and queens of Narnia long before his time. Rinulf returned with the spiced wine steaming in a flagon and four silver cups. As Lucy and Edmund sipped it, they could feel the warmth going right down to their toes. But Eustace made faces and spluttered and spat it out and was sick again. "'This is a merry shipmate you brought us, brother,' whispered Caspian to Edmund with a chuckle. But before he could say anything more, Eustace burst out again. "'Oh, yeesh! What on earth's that? Take it away, the horrid thing!' It was a mouse on its hind legs but it stood about two feet high, 
Its balance, as it paced bravely along the swaying deck, was perfect, and its manners courtly. Lucy and Edmund recognized it at once. Reepicheep, the most valiant of all the talking beasts of Narnia, and the chief mouse. Lucy went down on one knee to talk to him. Reepicheep bowed, kissed her hand, twirled his whiskers, and said, My humble duty to your majesty, and to King Edmund, too. Nothing except your majesty's presence was lacking to this glorious venture. Take it away, wailed Eustace. I hate mice, and I never could bear performing animals. They're silly and vulgar and, and, and sentimental. Am I to understand, said Reaper Chief to Lucy after a long stare at Eustace, that this singularly discourteous person is under your majesty's protection? Because if not... At this moment, Lucy and Edmund both sneezed. What a fool I am to keep you all standing here in your wet things, said Caspian. Come on below and get changed. I'll give you up my cabin, of course, Lucy, but I'm afraid we have no women's clothes on board. You'll have to make do with some of mine. Lucy found herself as much at home as if she had been in Caspian's cabin for weeks. The motion of the ship didn't worry her, for in the old days, when she'd been a queen in Narnia, she had done a good deal of voyaging. When she had finished dressing, she looked out of her window at the water rushing past and took a long, deep breath. She felt quite sure they were in for a lovely time. Ah, there you are, Lucy, said Caspian. This is my captain, the Lord Drinian. The only others present were Reepicheep and Edmund. Where is Eustace? asked Lucy. In bed, said Edmund, and I don't think we can do anything for him. It only makes him worse if you try to be nice to him. Meanwhile, said Caspin, we want to talk. And first, said Edmund, about time. It's a year ago, by our time, since we left you just before your coronation. How long has it been in Narnia? Exactly three years, said Caspian. All going well? asked Edmund. It couldn't be better. There's no trouble at all now between Telmarines, dwarfs, talking beasts, fawns, and the rest, and I had an excellent person to leave as regent while I'm away, Trumpkin the dwarf. You remember him? Dear Trumpkin, said Lucy, of course I do. You couldn't have made a better choice. And where are we heading for? asked Edmund. Well, said Caspian, perhaps you remember that when I was a child, my usurping uncle, Miraz, got rid of seven friends of my father's, who might have taken my part by sending them off to explore the unknown eastern seas beyond the Lone Islands. Yes, said Lucy, and none of them ever came back. Right. Well, on my coronation day, with Aslan's approval, I swore an oath that if once I established peace in Narnia, I would sail east myself for a year and a day to find my father's friends, or to learn of their deaths and avenge them if I could. These were their names, the Lord Revillian, the Lord Byrne, the Lord Argos, the Lord Mavramorn, the Lord Octesian, the Lord Restimar, and the Lord Roop. That is my main intention. But Reepicheep here has an even higher hope. Everyone's eyes turned to the mouse. As high as my spirit, it said. Why should we not come to the very eastern end of the world? And what might we find there? I expect to find Aslan's own country. It is always from the east, across the sea, that the great lion comes to us. 
But do you think, said Lucy, Aslan's country would be that sort of country? I mean, the sort that you could ever sail to? I do not know, madam, said Reepy Cheep. But when I was in my cradle, a wood woman, a dryad, spoke this verse over me. Where sky and water meet, where the waves grow sweet, doubt not, Reepy Cheep, to find all you seek, there is the utter east. I do not know what it means, but the spell of it has been on me all my life. After a short silence, Lucy asked, And where are we now, Caspian? The captain can tell you better than I, said Caspian. Sir Drinian got out his chart and spread it on the table. We left Redhaven six days ago and have made marvellous good speed, so that I hope to see the Lone Islands the day after tomorrow. We are now nearly thirty days at sea and have sailed more than four hundred leagues from Narnia. And after the Lone Islands, said Lucy? No one knows, Your Majesty, answered Drinian, unless the Lone Islanders themselves can tell us. They couldn't in our days, said Edmund. Then, said Reepicheep, it is after the Lone Islands that the adventure really begins. Caspian now suggested that they might like to be shown over the ship before supper. But Lucy said, I think I really must go and see Eustace. Seasickness is horrid, you know. If I had my old cordial with me, I could cure him. But you have, said Caspian. I'd quite forgotten about it. As you left it behind, I thought it might be regarded as one of the royal treasures, and so I brought it. If you think it ought to be wasted on a thing like seasickness. It'll only take a drop, said Lucy.